Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. I tell you what, welcome those who are on spring break watching online. Uh, enjoy it. We got sunny weather here. You really should have stayed in town. Uh, for those of us that are here, welcome. We're glad you came out today. Let me start by saying that we have three services at the river. So if if you feel like we're tight here today, you are welcome to come to the first service. We got plenty of room. If, you, if you're an early riser anyway, you might want to check it out at 8. And then the, the 11, 15 service, we also have plenty of room. This is the one that's pretty packed. And so if that kind of gives you a little squishies, then feel free to come to the other one. Squishies. That's the theological term, squishies. All right. Uh, I'm Steve, and I'm pastor here. Glad to have you joining us today. Uh, we are reading through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If this is your first time, I want you to know that we have free Bibles out there on the table. We'd love for you to grab one and take it with you so you can read along with us. Uh, Each day is given a specific reading. It's in order that it's there. And then on Sundays, I am preaching out of whatever we read during the week. Now, there's so much I get to choose from. I mean, this week, there's a lot of different heroes, a lot of different stories. And after praying about it, I decided I'd take something that was very just non-confrontational and talk about women in ministry. So uh, we're going we're gonna to be looking at the life of Deborah, uh, who was a judge for the Israelites, who was a, a great leader for the Jewish nation. And we're going to look at her life, and we're going to use that to springboard off helping us understand what God's plan is for men and women. Because we are in a time of confusion. Can we all agree with that? Just this week, we had a, uh, a man who identifies as a woman win the national championship in swimming, and everyone's crying foul except those who have the authority to make a decision about it. And uh, you're going to see a whole lot more of that as we're having questions of gender fluidity and all this. The Bible is clear. That's what you need to know. The Bible is clear in its teaching. And if you're wondering, go to the Bible, seek out the Word of God, Now, in all things, we as followers of Jesus are called to love all people, okay? But there are some clear teachings he gives us on male, female, leadership, all those things. So today's going to be a little different. I got a whiteboard up here. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching, and um, we just go through a boatload of Scripture. So you got your Bibles, pull your listening guide out. There'll be a lot of them that I'll be referencing. You may want to go back and read later. But I'll have a boatload of scriptures that we're going we're gonna to walk through together. Uh, and let's go, Lord, in prayer and ask God to speak to us this morning. Lord, I just come before you this morning because I think it's so important, God, that we understand how awesome you are and how you created men and women in your image. You created us to love, to think, to lead, to hope. And I pray that today, Lord, I would share in such a way that we would be empowered by the Word of God. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me begin by acknowledging that there are multiple views on this in the church as a whole. 
okay? There are some who will say that when it comes to the Christian church, the woman should not even speak or have any role in the church. No praying on stage, no singing songs, none of that. And then there are others who would say that, hey, whatever anybody wants to do in the church, they should have the freedom to do whatever they want to do, and they should do whatever they want to do. And then there's multiple layers in the middle. What you've got to remember is that we aren't led by culture. We lead out of truth in the Word of God. And so if we want to be able to teach our children what's right in this day of confusion, we don't need to be swayed by the culture of the day. We need to go to the Bible and say, God, what is your word teaching? And this is what we need to pass on to our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, and our friends with all respect and humility. We're going to talk even more about humility next week and, and how God calls us to be humble, okay? But today, we're going to look at this. Now, I wanted to start by looking and taking a quick walk from Genesis to Revelation on women in the Bible, okay? So we start, we have Eve, right, in Genesis. I'm not going to write all the scriptures up here. But we see that Eve was created in the image of God. And then we see in Genesis 2, we'll look at it even more later, that Husband and wife became one flesh. Adam and Eve became one flesh. So they were called to work as a team together. And then we go from Eve. Next, we have Miriam that we read through. And Miriam was listed in uh, Exodus 15, 20, and 21 as a prophetess. And as a leader of songs, so song leader, Okay. So we see her leading the people in that way. And then next we have um, the daughters of Zelophied, okay? I'm going to put the daughters of Z. Is that fine with y'all? Z, whatever it is, Zela, yeah, it's a long name, okay? Now, that's in numbers. I want us to look at this because this was a very pivotal time in the life of the Jewish community. Numbers 27, 6 through 8, these daughters had come to Moses because their father had died, and they wanted his inheritance that would normally go to sons, but he had no sons. Well, in most cultures at that time, women couldn't own property. So we pick up at verse 6. It says, And the Lord replied to Moses, The claim of the daughters of Z is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their father's relatives. Assign them the property that would have been given to their father and give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a man dies and has no son, then give his inheritance to his daughters. Wow. That was, that was a huge shift in culture for women to own property. So God makes it clear uh, that women are, are permitted and encouraged to own property as well. Now, then we got uh, Deborah. We're going to look at Deborah in a little bit. Deborah's who we're focusing on today. And uh, in Deborah, it's Judges 4, 1 through 10. And we know about Deborah, she's, she was called a judge. Said that the people went to her for wisdom and direction. She also uh, 
heard from the Lord the direction for Israel. Okay? So we'll look at we'll look at her more in depth here in just a minute. And then you have, of course, Ruth. Uh, Ruth is given a whole book. And then we have Esther given a whole book of the Bible, rescued, rescued Israel. Okay. And then we go into the New Testament and we see how Jesus always honored women. Okay, and there's multiple example. I'm just going to put leave it at Jesus always on women. There's the uh, so for example, we have the the woman who is called the act of adultery in John eight. Which your first question you need to ask is if the woman's called in the act of adultery, where's the dude? Right? Anybody ever pick up on that? It's like wait a minute, we're bringing the woman, but where's the guy? They didn't want the guy. They just wanted to trick Jesus. They wanted him to either say she is to be condemned to death by stoning, which would then put him in opposition to the Roman law if he was to throw the first stone because the Jews were not allowed to issue capital punishment uh, under the authority of the Roman Empire. That's why the Jews had to go to Pilate for Jesus to be crucified. Or they wanted him to say she is free and forgiven. There is no punishment. So then he'd be in violation of their law and they could discredit him as a teacher. Instead, if you read that passage, it's a really cool passage. It says that he acknowledged the truth of the law. It said, but then he knelt down and he wrote, he wrote on the ground, and it says, he said, stood up and said, He who's without sin cast the first stone. And then it says he knelt down again and wrote, and one by one the religious leaders begin to leave. We don't know what he wrote, but many folks, myself included, believe he began to write the sins of the religious leaders and maybe even writing the names of their mistresses in the dirt so that they began going, wait a minute, I think it's time that uh, we just out, out punted our coverage. It's time to back up and walk away. And they did. And then Jesus said to the woman, who accused you of sin? No one then go your way and sin no more. Jesus was respectful even in that situation. Then we have uh, the woman at the well, in, uh, also in the book of John, John chapter 4, who it wasn't allowed for a rabbi to speak to a woman in public. It was a cultural no-no. And Jesus broke through that cultural no-no to speak to this woman. And it shocked the, the disciples. If you go back and read that story, they were shocked that he was having a conversation with her. But not only that, but he helped her realize that he was the Messiah, and she became the first female missionary we read about. She went back to her hometown, told everybody about Jesus, and like the whole town's getting saved as the first female missionary. And then we have the women at the tomb. When Christ is resurrected... The first witnesses of the resurrection in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all women. Now, I didn't realize how big a deal that was until I read a book by Lee Strobel, who, and he talked about his spiritual journey and how uh, he worked for the Chicago Tribune, and he was an investigative reporter, and 
And so he wanted to prove that Christianity was wrong because his wife was going to this church and he wanted to prove it was wrong because he thought she was joining the cult. And so he started trying to disprove Christ. And this was one of the things that actually helped him understand the truth of the gospel. Because he said in that culture, in the Roman Empire, and in the Jewish religion at that time, a woman's testimony was of no worth. It had to be a man's testimony. So he said, obviously, if they're writing this book to convince people to follow Jesus, they never would have put that in there. They would have just put the men witnessing the resurrection. He said, so by them marking that it was women that saw Christ first in the, the resurrection, it was a testimony that this was really something that really happened, and they just wrote down how it happened. So uh, those are just some of the examples of, of women in the life of the church and women in creation and, and how God honors women, Okay. So let's look at, if you got your listening guide, go ahead and pull that out. And, and look, let's look at uh, the first thing, and that is God created men and women equal. God created men and women equal. Now, you may say, Steve, that's a no-brainer, but we haven't lived that out in the time of history. And even now, it's, the pendulum is swinging almost to where uh, I hear a lot of this, well, I don't hear women say this, well, we don't need a man. We don't need a man. We don't need a man. Listen, ladies, I'll be the first to say, I need a woman. I need my wife. I am better because I have my wife. And she, I believe, you may have to ask her, is better because she has me. Together, we make a team. Now, when I was single, was I complete? Yes, I was very complete because God had called me to be single at that point. I was very grateful, enjoyed it. But at the same time, there are areas of my life that my wife strengthens and I, areas of her life that I believe I strengthen. But we are equal. I'm not better than her. She's not better than me. God created us equal. In uh, Genesis chapter 2, where we start with verse 18, says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, let me pause there because I've heard some people say, helper, is that a, a negative comment, as in less than? Because oftentimes in our jobs today, if someone's considered, let's say someone's the plumber, and then you have their helper. One's paid more, one's paid less. So is that a negative statement? It is not. Uh, to prove it so, you have to compare it to other scripture. And in Psalm 59, 4, David refers to the Lord as his helper. And in the New Testament, Hebrews 13, 6, uh, the writer says, the Lord is our helper. Now, obviously, the writer would not be saying that God is less than he is. Make sense? Okay. So we are a team. So God created men and women equal. Skip down to verse 24. It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to the wife, and the two are united into one. Not one greater, not lesser. We are created equal. And then in salvation, you can flip over to Galatians 3, 28, one of several passages that make the same reference. But Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So in your salvation, 
You are equal, male and female. It takes just as much of the blood of Jesus to rescue one person as it does the other. Doesn't matter what your your, uh, background is. Doesn't matter where you're born. Doesn't matter if you're a woman. Doesn't matter if you're a man. We're equal in the eyes of the Lord. Okay? So we're all on the same page so far? All right, let's move forward. Second thing, God uses both men and women to change the world. He uses both. In this passage in Judges, uh, we'll read that together. This is the passage about Deborah, Judges chapter 4, kind of the launching pad for this whole message. It says, after Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his armor was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagam. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, who was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time, she would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of your Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun and Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. So Paul's right there. Okay, so Deborah, who is a judge of Israel at this time, and a prophetess or prophet, depending on whether you you make the word uh, gender specific or not, hears the word from the Lord she calls a man in who's a, apparently a military leader, and she says, this is what the Lord is saying. Now go and do this. So that just shows great leadership and the ability to hear from God and lead those around them. Okay, verse 8, Barak told her, I will go, but only if you, get, if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh. At Kedesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors were with him. Deborah also went with him. And later on, they are victorious and win the freedom for the Israelites. Now, here's what I want you to see. Deborah was this judge. She was a prophet. She was a courageous individual. She, she was supposed to send him into battle, but instead the guy is like, I am not going into battle without you. Could have been wisdom on his part. She obviously had heard from the Lord. She obviously was the one being used of God. It could have also been a, a, a matter of weakness and fear. Like the guys won't follow me if you're not with me. Whatever the case, she had courage to go into battle, and she was a truth teller. Another positive trait that she carried. She didn't, didn't whitewash the truth. Because you, Barak, were not willing to go on your own, this victory will be given to a woman. And if you read the story, it's pretty, 
pretty interesting. Somebody decided they don't want to do any tent camping anymore. But you'll have to read the rest of that story. That's my teaser. Don't want to be a spoiler alert, okay? So read the rest of that story. So we see that God created husband and wife, man and woman. He created men and women equal. And then then God uses both men and women to change the world. The story of Lottie Moon, uh, the little video that came in the beginning. Lottie Moon came from a place of affluence, sensed the word of God on her heart to go into the nations, found a way to get to the nations, and her heart was broken for the people of China. Now, interesting, if you read the whole story, Lottie Moon basically was a church planter. She went into an area where there was no gospel and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. She found the way to their hearts was through cookies. Genius, using the tools that she had, she would make cookies for the kids, get the kids, tell them stories about Jesus. Then the moms would come wanting to know and probably get cookies. And then families begin to follow. And then when she planted a church, she would find a, 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 a raise up a man to be the pastor of the church and start another one. And so the, the Baptist Convention named their offering after her. And now uh, over 5,000 missionaries are sent out every year, largely because this woman had the vision to go out, be a missionary, and help raise the money to send more. One of her quotes says this. It says, the needs of these people, this is the Alani Moon in a letter sent back to America. The needs of these people press upon my soul and I cannot be silent. It is grievous to think of these human souls going down to death without even the opportunity of hearing the name of Jesus. Why should we not instead of the paltry offerings we make, do something that will prove that we are really in earnest in claiming to be followers of him who, though he was rich, for our sake became poor. What a great example of spiritual leadership, huh? Challenging all to take the gifts and talents God's given them and to pursue the mission that God's called us to of pursuing, sharing the good news of Jesus with the whole world. So ladies, I want to say to you today, if you're here and you thought, well, I can't be a missionary, I'm a single lady, you couldn't be more wrong. God has a plan and a purpose and just dream for what God has. Believe God for those opportunities. Men, we, are, we should accept this as a challenge and ask the question, is God calling us to go? Because the need is yet to be finished. It is still great all around the world. Some amazing things are going on in Ukraine. I don't know if you, you won't hear that on regular news, but we have some, some co-workers that are in Ukraine, some that are in Romania, some that are in Poland. Uh, we're partnering together with some Christian ministries to, to help with support, but they're talking about people coming to faith in Christ like never before because they're, they're wondering because these churches are on the borders and they are serving the refugees, and they're inviting them in. One missionary that, uh, that we know has had 39 people living in their little daycare and got a chance to lead the couple to the Lord just last week because they said, why are you choosing to take care of us? What is your incentive? 
There's one incentive. It's the call of Christ on our lives. Amen? We've got to be doing those things. So third, is God gifts women and men to serve in the church. So the third point, God gifts women and men to serve in the church. If you want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to skip down to verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says this. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. So why? What does it say? So we can help each other. It's not so that we can have power. It's not so that we can be noticed. God gives us gifts so that we can serve each other. That's the purpose. And so men and women, as I go through Scripture over and over again, what I see is the gifts the Holy Spirit gives are to both men and women. All of them. There's no place I can find that says these gifts are for men only or these gifts are for women only. Ladies, if God calls you, you step out and you pursue the giftings that God's given you. Leadership, prophecy, whatever it may be. God calls, we obey. God gives both to men and women. Now, this is, this is where it gets a little, little interesting. Because as you begin to pursue that, are you allowed to pursue that in all areas? What are the parameters that it gives? Because we've got to stay within the scripture, right? And that's where I want to go to the last one. That's uh, the fourth point is God calls men to lead in the home and in the church. Now, this is where we've got to be challenged to go to the word of God. So I made some people uncomfortable early on because I was talking about uh, women and the freedom they have in the church. And if you, I, the church I got saved in, I don't think women were allowed to pray in church. Uh, they could sing during church, but not can't pray on the stage, can't lead a ministry. And so when I began to experience uh, the Word of God and read it for myself, I began to see what I felt like were in, in discrepancies. And then at the other end uh, I talked about is that women could do anything in the church. And I began to read the word and struggle there. So my story, just being transparent, I have a wonderful wife who is awesome. She's a great leader. We took the same classes in seminary. We both got our master's in what's called divinity. And she had a better GPA than I did. Okay. She's much better at, at that kind of stuff than I am. She's a, a strong leader, and we, we have three daughters and a daughter-in-law, all who are given, I believe, gifts of leadership. And I want to see all the women in my life experience the greatest things that God has for them in their journey. I hope you do, too. And so in that journey, I want them to understand what that looks like and, and the gifts that God gives them. But I also want it to be done in a way that God gives clarity and direction for. 
And so the first thing is that God calls men to lead in the home. You got your Bibles? Uh, turn to Ephesians 5. And there are several passages, and I don't want us to get stuck in the weeds of this one. Okay, it's not the focus of my sermon, but it, it is part of it, Ephesians 5. So in Ephesians 5, let's see, we're going to read uh, verse 22 to 24. It says this, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, I know this is not a popular teaching today. I understand that, but it is what the Lord says, is that husbands, you are to be the spiritual leaders, the leaders of your home. And so my first question is, are you doing that? I was talking to a young man this week, and he got married in the last couple of years, and, and I was talking to him about something else, and he said, hey, can I just say thank you to the church? He said, my wife and I took the challenge you gave to read the Bible together, and we are uh, we're staying with it, and he said, it is changing our marriage. He said, as we're talking about the Bible and, and the truth in it, he said, it's just changing our marriage and who we are in Christ. And I was like, man, that is awesome. That is the goal is that the word of God will, will change us, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the home, the husband is to be in the spiritual leader. And in the church, the man is also supposed to be the spiritual leader. Now I'm gonna unpack that because it doesn't mean that women aren't supposed to lead in the church. But there's a position called the, uh, we call elders here at the river. That is the position of overseeing the ministry in the church. And what we're going to look at now is that God calls that to be the role of men. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says this. This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. Okay, so in this story here, in this, in this directive, God says the leader of the church. Now, the phrase that he, uh, we use is elders uh, because it's the same word that Paul uses multiple times through the New Testament where he says, appoint elders in the church, appoint elders in the church. And each time, it is a male responsibility. Now, why is that? Well, I believe God made his decision he equipped us mentally, physically, spiritually, and he said, this is my plan. How many of you know that every organization has to have leadership to survive? You ever been in a company that didn't have a boss? It's not going to last long, is it? You ever seen an army without a general? It's a mess. I worked, uh, my first job, uh, I worked at a donut shop. 
Mr. Hargrove may be watching online. If so, I'm going to apologize in advance, okay? So I'm 14 years old. I go to work at a donut shop. And when Mr. Hargrove would leave at noon, there were a couple of us that still worked in the afternoon. It got real quiet because not a whole lot of people buying donuts after 12. And, and so, uh, so we're there. And basically our job is to clean up and, and uh, take care of the occasional customers that would come in. Well, as soon as the boss would leave, what would happen? When the cat's away, the mice will play, right? I remember the, the guy that was the boss after that was just a couple of years older than me, making a buck 50 more an hour maybe than me. And when, when the owner left, he just let everything go crazy, and it did. Well, God understands, because God's a God of order, that there must be order in the home and order in the church. And he chose to set up in the church, a team called an elders, elder team. And it's what we have here. Now, you could, uh, this ter term elder is also used interchangeably uh, with the term overseer. Not very many people use that term today, but it's actually a better description of what the job is. It's to oversee the spiritual direction of the church. So that would include church discipline. It would include church vision. Uh, overseer really is probably to me, the best translation of what that word would mean. The idea of calling it church leaders, to me, uh, as the New Living Translate, uh, translates it, is too vague. Because everybody in the church, in my opinion, leads somebody. I believe we're all called to lead somebody. But elder, overseer, and then uh, some use the phrase pastor, and some use the phrase bishop. That's why you may see uh, in some traditions the lead pastor is called Bishop, like Bishop T.D. Jakes. If you ever heard of T.D. Jakes, they call him Bishop T.D. Jakes. I tried to implement that at the river, Bishop Steve Taboo. It, it just didn't take off in the beginning, so we stuck with pastor, you know, and that is a joke. Uh, but, but in these phrases, in this, it's reserved for a husband and one wife, a, a man, to, to be the leader in the church. And then what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to provide, if you would, an umbrella of protection. Look at that umbrella. Woo, all right. That's right. I did pass third grade for those who are wondering, okay? Uh, uh, an umbrella which the church is to be able to live under the protection of these overseers that we're supposed to lead in such a way with character, integrity, righteousness, humility, and servant hearts that those who are in the body of Christ have a free place to love God, love people, and impact the world. Now, if you're an elder, there's greater accountability that comes with that, according to Scripture. So it even tells us not to be in a hurry to be an elder or try to rush. Now, as we lead, there's a couple things I want to point out. So I'm going to do one more drawing here because my goal is clarity today. So in the life of the church, first we have the, the this is the way it, it plays out is the river, okay? Uh, we have volunteers in every capacity Serving, leading, uh, prayer, 
intercession, mentoring, counseling. We have every idea known to man, I guess you'd say. And we do that by their spiritual gifts. So if you are gifted in teaching, uh, you can teach. Men and women can teach. If you're gifted in leadership, you can teach. We have leaders, male and female, that lead different areas. We have Freedom Ministries. It's a ministry led by one of the women in our church. We have a special needs ministry led by one of the women in the church. Multiple leaders. We have life group leaders that are men and women. So that's a that'd be life group leader. So in our church, we have male and female leadership and service in all these different capacities in our volunteers, okay? So women, we want you to be free to use the gifts, the spiritual gifts God's given you. Now on our staff, at the River Community Church, we also have male and female. Let me put that over here. We have a staff with, with both men and women. Now, in this staff, we have directors. And that the directors can be male or female. So, for example, uh, when we brought uh, Andy Turner on a long time ago to be our executive director, one of the things Andy said to me, he said, Steve, I don't feel called to be a pastor, but I'm really good at organizing, and I'd love to be able to serve in that capacity at the river until God calls me elsewhere, but I don't feel led to be a pastor. Uh, and so Andy was director of ministries when he was here, okay? Uh, and then we have directors that are female. So, for example, our outreach director, we have our preschool director, and others. So we have both men and women that are directors. And then we have, over here, we also have pastors. And so we have a small group pastor, worship pastor, uh, college, next-gen pastor, youth pastor, Okay, now, when it comes to the role of the pastor, we reserve that here at the river for men. And here's why. Because to be on the elder team, you must meet these qualifications that we talked about in 1 Timothy 3, right? And so, for those that... Our pastors, one day, we hope will plant churches and they will become pastors and start their own elder team. And so for that reason, we use these two phrases, not quite interchangeable because we have some elders who also don't feel led to be pastors in the church, but they are shepherds of the flock and they have a full-time job on the side as well, right? And so for that reason, we use these two terms uh, to talk about this First Timothy role that we have. And for our, for our elders, as we said, they've got to be husband of one wife, so basically they have to be a male. And they are accountable above others. Scripture says you don't want to be in a hurry to be an elder because they'll be held to greater accountability by the Lord. And then they're called to provide, as we talked about, the spiritual oversight. For the, for the local body.
Now, I wrestled with this uh, as a young pastor in California. Uh, and, and the reason I did is because in the, the location I was at, it was the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, so to say that there are any limitations for women in that culture, you are putting your head on the chopping block. And I had a buddy of mine, a close friend, who had started a church, and he said, Steve, I'm going to be appointing a new elder pastor at my church, and her name is dot, dot, dot. And I was like, I don't know if I'm okay with that spiritually and biblically. He said, well, it's the new thing. Everybody's going to be doing it. You know, you got to move with culture and, and be willing to go with the culture if you're going to reach the culture. And I was like, I'm going to pray through that. And so I went from Genesis to Revelation, trying to seek the wisdom of God. God, what do you want? Because listen, I want all that God wants to give the church. I don't want to hinder anything because of my biases or my opinions, okay? But as I look through from the beginning, God established the Levites, the male Levites, to lead the actual day-to-day work, and the priests he established were all men. So then we come to the New Testament, and Paul talks about this being, in 1 Timothy and in Titus, a role for men. And so I'm like, Lord, it, it seems that you're consistent. And then as I read through, it was something that I didn't even, I knew all my life, but it, it leapt off the page. Jesus broke every cultural, unbiblical boundary that was there that was put in the way of women to do things. But when he went to choose his 12 disciples, he chose all men. If he didn't choose to change that, Steve Taboo's not going to choose to change that. And so from that day forward, I felt confident in what the Scripture teaches. And I I hope that that this is helpful for you. I, I hope that you see that God created this beautiful tapestry of male and female. We are all gifted by God. We are all loved by God. And we are all equipped to serve and to lead. But in the church and in home, God has called men to lead in those two areas. Now, I hear it all the time. Well, what about when men don't lead? What about when they don't step up? Men, what do we say to that? Well, let me first say, way to go, guys, that are here today. You chose to come today. You chose to be a spiritual leader in your home by being here today. Ladies, can we celebrate that for them today? Can we celebrate? When was the last time we just celebrated that? And let me say in the same way, we need women who will be spiritual leaders in their home. Just because I'm called to lead our family doesn't mean my wife is not a spiritual leader in my home. Let me tell you, she is a strong woman. And she leads well. And in 21 years... 21 years, we were married 27, sorry. 27 years <laughs> trying to mind my P's and R's. In all those years, there really only been three times, three times that we could not line up in agreement on something. That after praying and going to the Word and, and listening, that we couldn't line up in the same place. Only three times have I had to say, honey, I know we're not in agreement. Well, we got to move forward or stop right now. I feel led to move forward. And three times she said, 
I don't agree, but I'll follow. I'm two for three. The very first one, I blew up horribly bad. It was a poor decision, and it hurt our family. I lost all of our savings that we had saved up with a uh, quick uh, internet investment that went bad. And I'm thankful my wife didn't rub that in my face, but it was a tenacious moment and a sad day. And then she gave me the confidence by still supporting me and following me in the next two times that we didn't agree. And thankfully on those two times, as she followed, they were the right decision. Ladies, we won't always get it right because we are still struggling with this flesh that we have. But you're still called to follow the leadership of your husband. Your elders in the church, we won't always get it right. I will say because there's a multitude of elders, I feel like we've gotten it right pretty much, pretty much every time, but you can't have a multitude of husbands, so we can't apply that. That's not apples to apples, okay? <laughs> but here's what I want to say. When we will humble ourselves and follow the Word of God, even when we disagree with, with what we're hearing, what we'll see is the miracles of God and the promises of God and the provisions of God in a way that we can't accomplish on our own. If you are here today and you're married, I want to encourage you to go through Reengage, a ministry that talks about those biblical roles of husbands and wives and, and how to understand how you become one flesh. It won't make everything perfect, but it'll give you wisdom and the tools to work through things. If you are single, I can't encourage you enough. Make sure that you are seeking out. Ladies, if this guy's going to be the spiritual leader in your home and he won't even go to church with you, do you think it's a good idea to marry him? No. Men, if you're called to be the spiritual leader of your family and she doesn't even want to follow, do you think she's the right one to marry? No. You want your foundation set on the Word of God, the love of God, and you want to walk that out day by day. I'm going to ask you if you would to stand with me. Invitation's really different today. There are some here that God has called you to mission work or leadership, and you feel like you've said no, and you got your excuses why you can't. I want to encourage you, if that's you today, to come forward and just talk with somebody about it and let them pray over here to my right. Or go to the prayer room in the back. If you need to really talk with somebody, go to the prayer room to the back and let someone pray with you and over you. Perhaps you're here and, and you just need to talk one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. That's what the left side is for over here. Just come and talk with God one-on-one. -on -one. We, won't, we won't pray over you because we're trusting that you're wanting some solo time. And then I'll be down front. And if you'd like to come and say, you know what, I am here, and I know you preach about women in ministry, but the whole time God was just saying, I need to get saved, because I've never done that, then I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you and help you understand what it means to be saved and to walk it out day by day. So Jimmy's going to lead us in a song, and as he does, I just ask that your heart would be open. Now, if you choose to stay in the seats, that's great. Sing joyfully or pray for those that God's speaking to. 
okay? Be active even if you're standing there, but also feel free to come and use the altar to pray and bring all this before the Lord. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.